Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Give God some praise as you find your seat. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Praise God. Yes. God is awesome. God is worthy. God, look, God is, is we, we say God is good, but it's an understatement, right? We say God is good. The answer usually is all the time. And all the time, God is good. That is not a cliche, but that is the truth in its very essence. Why? Because the truth is not a subject or an object, but the truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm Pastor Donald. I'm here with you guys this morning. It's a blessing and an honor to be here with you guys this morning. We are continuing on in the Gospel Centered Life series. Um, As you guys know that have been following along with us, the first week that we talked about, we talked about the gospel. And how the gospel, everything has to do with the gospel. Okay, track with me as we as we go through this, as we do a recap. Uh, Second week, we did pretending and performing. We talked about how uh, when we pretend it minimizes sin. And then when we get into the act of performing, it minimizes the holiness of God. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into the traps of pretending and performing. Why? Because we don't want to minimize sin. Sin is no is nothing that God just winks at. Right. Sin is so is such a big deal. and so, so important that God bankrupted all of heaven and sent his only not an extra that he had laying around, not a throwaway son. He sent his only begotten son to pay the penalty of sin. OK, and so we don't want to get into performing either because it's not about our works. Right. We get we get into to thinking that that because we uh, have some responsibilities as part of our. I'm sorry. Let me adjust this. Because we have some responsibilities in working out our salvation that we think that we have to work for our salvation. Working out your salvation and working for it are two different things. We can't work for it. It's funny that there's been there's been a meme that's been floating around. Recently, where it talks about, man, it wasn't it wasn't the grind. It was grace. It wasn't the grind. It was grace. And the thing is, you can grind for riches, which is noble. That's great. But you can't grind for righteousness. Righteousness only comes about by the grace of God. Okay, and so we don't want to minimize God's holiness by thinking that our works are going to accomplish something that his holiness can't. Okay, and so next we went into believing the gospel. I believe uh, uh, our mom, our minister of music, did believing the gospel that week. And she talked about how the good news is not that God makes much of us, but that God frees us to make much of Jesus. Did you hear that? Can I say that again? The good news is not that God makes much of us, but that God frees us to make much of Jesus. Okay, write that down on my note takers. Next, we, talk, we, we talked about uh, the law and the gospel and how there's, there's another trap that we can fall into in our walk, which is the error of legalism and license, right? We can fall into the trap of legalism thinking that, okay, by, by God provided us the law, so therefore, if I keep the law, then that means I can earn my righteousness and that, and that, that makes me right with God. No, that's, not, that's, that's a falsehood because it tells us in Scripture that if you live by the, by the law, you'll die by the letter of it. Okay, and so the other aspect is license meaning, oh, well, it's all about grace, which means I can do whatever I want and God's going to forgive me. No, that's not true, because grace is not just there to make up for the for the areas that we fall short. Grace is there to empower us to do what it is, what it is, what is the will of God. Are you guys following? So last we left off uh, last week, Pastor Jr. came with the message of the lifestyle of repentance. Now, for some of us that have been in church for quite some time, depending upon what denomination we came from, repentance is is often been a thing of like, man, you keep repenting, then something's wrong. Not true. 
Because when we look at scripture, we find out that repentance is a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. It's not a one and done. It's a, there's a constant. For those of us that know what repentance is, we know that it's a turning. It's a changing of mind. It's a turning. And it's a constant turning. I don't know about any of you. The way that I can liken it to, to, to is uh, there's been times where uh, I've used uh, uh, an extension cord. And for those of you guys that know that, that not everybody puts extension cords up the way that they're supposed to. Some people don't wrap them up like they're supposed to. And what ends up happening? A, a, an extension cord gets tangled. Tangled in knots. And it can be very frustrating, especially when you need to use it in a hurry, right? When you need to use it. And so what ends up happening is you have to take time to turn, unravel, and turn, and unravel. And that's what our lives are like. Our lives are like an extension cord that wasn't put away properly. And there's a constant turn. I mean, of course you can cut the knots out, but it ain't going to be used for nothing. But God desires to use us, and therefore he, he, he is not so impatient that he won't take the time out to constantly have us turn and unravel and untangle so we can be stretched straight because that's what righteousness means. That's the whole concept of righteousness from the Jewish perspective is that something is twisted but it's been stretched straight. And so many of us, we find our lives just like that, a tangled mess and God desires for us to be righteous. And so repentance, therefore, is a lifestyle. Sin is a condition, not a behavior. So true repentance is, in a, is not an occasional practice. It's a lifestyle. Which leads us to today's message. And today I'll entitle our message, The Great Void. There is a great void. The great void, right? And so this comes from uh, the chapter in our study of the Gospel Center Life that is, is centered around heart idolatry. Heart idolatry. And you might be sitting there, man, I'm a, I'm a believer. I don't, I don't worship idols. Let's, let's see. We'll see. We'll see. Heart idolatry. It's interesting that, that we're dealing with the heart, the subject of the heart, man, because the heart has been something that's been at the center of TBCF recently, right? For those of you guys that have been asleep at the wheel, you guys may have been gone somewhere else. I don't know. You, you's on another planet. But our senior pastor received a heart transplant, a heart transplant. And mind you, not only has he received a heart transplant, but now he's in the second phase of his recovery, praise God. All right. He's been released. They got my man fresh out, man. He at the halfway house. You know what I'm saying? And so, so he's getting it together. You know what I'm saying? He's almost out back on the street, fresh and free. So, hey, man, keep him in your prayers as he's on his second phase of recovery. And keep Pastor Kaya lifted as she is, she is being the backbone and the support to, to Pastor John on this recovery. They're both doing it. But I also have likened TBCF to receiving a heart transplant as well. I believe many of us have received a new heart. It's funny, I was just talking to, to, to uh, Deacon Sean the other day, and I was saying, you know, it, it, we were talking about, man, I, we'll be so happy when our, our senior pastors come back, right, when they're back. Because what's, what's so funny about it is like the same way that Pastor was on bypass waiting to receive his new heart. The Building Christian Fellowship is on bypass waiting to receive our pastors back, right? By the grace of God, he was able to stay on bypass while his heart was being prepared. And so it is for us. We're here at the Building Christian Fellowship continuing on in the purpose of God on bypass while we're waiting to receive our pastors back, right? And so we'll be able to fully function at our fullest capability once they come back. But while we're waiting, we still continue to worship. We still continue to do the work of the ministry. We still continue to, to follow the apostles' doctrine. Amen? Amen? And so it's important that we experience times of this. These are times that God has ordained for us. Why? Because these are times that, that we're able to really be able to see what's what. What do I mean by that? I mean, again, this is a heart situation, right? It's a heart situation. There's so many things that are uh, encompassed by the heart of a situation. We don't see everything that's in the heart. Like, we think that we know the heart, but what does the Bible tell us? The heart, above all things, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Only God does. 
A heart has to be searched by God for us to know what's in it. And so there are times like this because, again, we're talking about heart idolatry. I want to remind you of that, heart idolatry. For some of us, we don't realize that things have become idols in our lives. We don't realize it. Um, here in Western culture, we have like a gumbo mix of all these different ideas and, and ideals and, and philosophies that have been uh, kind of just uh, uh, scooped up and taken from here and there all across the world. But one thing that remains the same in all of them is idolatry. All of them. Every culture, you will find idols in every culture. And so just to name a few, just to give you guys some ideas, some of the things that we idolize here in our culture as athletes, teams, celebrities, devices, social media platforms, brands, labels, politics, or even success. And so it's important for us to take inventory of our lives and see what, what things may become. Listen, check this out. I might get in trouble for this. Some of us, some of us here may have even seen our pastors as idols. And maybe it's affected our attendance a little bit. Mm. I'm just saying, it's an awesome thing to be able to see because these times are very telling. It's a heart, it's a heart situation. There's heart work that's going on. And so we're here talking about heart idolatry. This is something that God has warned his people about over and over and over again throughout scripture. If we look, all of these things were written as examples. I need you guys to keep this in mind. For those of you that are note-taking, write down examples. These are examples to us today. And so what ends up happening, the reason why we tend to idolize people is because we have this great void in us. We have this great God-shaped, God-sized void that's in us, and we end up, rather than going to God to fill it, we try and fill it with other things. And therefore, we create idols. Like we admire the doings rather than the beings. We admire what God can do, but we don't admire who he is. We admire people for what they can do, but we don't admire who they are. Right? And so that's why we look at athletes. We look at celebrities. We look at these different individuals because of what they can do. They do such great things. And here we find in John chapter 6, Verse 28, that there's a crowd of people that are around Jesus and they're asking him, how do we, how are we able to do the works that, that you do? Like they admire, let me, let me give you a little bit of background to this. Prior to this, this encounter right here that we're about to read, uh, Jesus just fed the 5,000 hungry souls. I know you guys know that story, right? The, 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 the five fish, the two loaves, right? So the, the thing is, is that that they were starstruck by the fact that Jesus had done this miracle and Jesus had to withdraw himself from those people because he knew that because they were so enamored by the work that he had done, they wanted to take him by force and make him their king. And he wasn't here for all that. So because he knew his purpose and he knew what he was supposed to be doing, he's like, yeah, let me, let me withdraw from them. Because I'm not going to be an idol unto them. That's interesting. We know that Jesus is worthy of all the glory, all the honor, but, but he not, he not, knowing that he is worthy of all the glory and all the honor and the praise would not allow himself to become an idol unto the people. That's how serious idolatry is to God. So here it is we find in John chapter 6, verse 28. It says, then they asked him, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe. Adhere to, trust in, rely on, and have faith in the one whom he has sent. That don't sound too, 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 uh, that don't sound too enticing to us. Right. Because we're more concerned about the doing and not the being. When Jesus said to them, he says, all you got to do is believe in the one who sent who he sent. That's all you got to do. That's that's what you need in order to do the work. That's all he's called. You You got one assignment. To believe on the one who he, who he sent. 
And so because we're so caught up in a culture of wanting to, to be attached to the doing and not the being, we develop idols for ourselves. Listen, it's funny how when it comes to sin, like we don't we don't even realize how much we fall into the sin of idolatry. Notice I'm saying we. I didn't say you. I didn't say y'all. I said we. We fall into the sin of idolatry and we don't even recognize the, the damage that it causes. We don't realize the damage of our sin. We can look at other people and we can see their sin and we judge them about it. But when it comes to our sin, we want all the grace. Right? Because in our mind, we think that, that we have some kind of power or capability to save ourselves. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Look, our own sin does us far worse than anyone else could ever do, yet we'll cut them off, but we won't cut our sin off. Why? Because it's an idol, right? We think there's something to gain from it. But Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther, Martin Luther said that the moment we sin, an idol has taken God's place in our soul. The moment we sin, an idol has taken God's place in our soul. How do we know this? Because when you guys, let, let's, let's journey back. Exodus, I believe, 32, we have the encounter of, of the Exodus, of course, where Moses is at Mount Sinai and he's uh, communing with God on top of the mountain. And he's been gone for some, for some time. Mind you, there have been different miracles that have taken place up to this point. They have, they've, been, they've, they've survived all of, the, all of the plagues of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea on dry land. They've been covered by a cloud by day and had a pillar of fire by night. They've eaten the heavenly manna. And God has constantly provided for them. And here it is. Moses says, look, man, I'm going to go meet with God. Y'all chill down here until I come back. And what ends up happening, while Moses, Moses up there, the people go to Aaron, they're like, hey, Aaron, hey, we don't know what happened to Moses, dude. Make us a, make us a golden calf. Y'all got the golden calf? Make us a golden calf so we can worship and say that this is who brought us out of Egypt. And so what does God do? God says, hey, Moses. You better hurry up and get back, get back down that hill. Uh, your people's on that bull. <laughs> but isn't that what it is? That, that, I mean, literally, I know it's a play on words, but, but the thing is, is that literally that's what it ends up being. Our idols are, amount to nothing. Our idols cannot save us. Our idols can't lead us. They can't do anything for us. And how quickly we forget after we've been provided for after we've been delivered, after we've been set free, right? It seemed like our prayer, prayer life be on point when we're going through it. But as soon as we get that relief, as soon as we get that comfort, as soon as we get that blessing, how quick we are to forget. And we idolize the comfort. We idolize that money. When we, when we were broke, now we got the money, we idolize the money. Or we idolize the work that brought us the money. Remember, it's, it's, it's the grace, it's not the grind, right? And so this has become a thing over and over again for the people of God, that they, that they get delivered, God does great things for them, and then they forget. And this has become a pattern. And mind you, this happened a long time ago. And so here it is, we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 In the Amplified, it reads like this. It says, for I do not want you to be unaware, believers. What did Jesus say you got to do? Believe, right? He said, you got one assignment? Believe. So here it is. He's, you, got, you got Paul talking to the believers. He says, for I do not want you to be unaware, believers, that our fathers were all under the cloud in which God's presence went before them, and they all passed 
miraculously and safely through the Red Sea. And all of them were baptized into Moses, into his safekeeping as their leader, in the cloud and in the sea. And all of them ate the same spiritual food, the manna, and all of them drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not well pleased with most of them, for they were scattered along the ground in the wilderness because their lack of self-control led to disobedience, which led to death. Verse 6, now these things, the warnings and admonitions took place as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Do not be worshipers of handmade gods as some of them were, just as it is written in scripture. The people sat down to eat and drink after sacrificing to the golden calf at Horeb and stood up to play, indulging in immoral activities. We must not indulge in nor tolerate sexual immorality as some of them, as some of them did and 23,000 suddenly fell dead in a single day. Wait a minute. I thought we was in, in the dispensation of grace. Why is he talking about that? Because what did we just read? What did I tell you guys to write down as note takers? Examples. Meaning that this happened before, it can happen again. And so we have this written as an example for us because what happened? They were blessed. They were in the will of God and how soon they forgot what God had done for them, that they wanted to create something for themselves and wanted to worship God on their own terms. And yet it displeased God. And it led them to death because of their lack of self-control. Verse nine, we must not tempt the Lord, that is, test his patience, question his purpose or exploit his goodness, as some of them did, and they were killed by serpents. Well, there's a lot of killing going on. And do not murmur in unwarranted discontent, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. A lot of killing going on. Now these things happen to them as an example and warning to us. They were written for our instruction to admonish and equip us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide, provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Amen. Do y'all understand that that's a promise? That, that there's never been a temptation that we couldn't, have been, we couldn't have found the exit, the fire escape out. It said that he always has, always will, and is doing right now, providing a way of escape for every temptation that comes our way. So that means that, that when, when the situation arises, when you're blindsided by a circumstance, when you're blindsided by a diagnosis, when you're blindsided by, by your kid not acting right, when you're blindsided by the job loss, when you're blindsided by the marriage that blows up, that God has provided a way of escape so you don't have to panic. And make a rash decision. Are you following? Temptation is ever present. Temptation is always around us. But he's always provided a way of escape. 
Do you realize that it's been probably, I want to say, somewhere around like 50, 60 years maybe, 50, 60 years plus since there's been a major mass death from a, a, a building fire? You want to know why the reason is? When you look around, you can see the exit signs. Everybody knows where the exits are. Not only that, but people constantly are having fire drills. And that's why, because you know what it is to do. So now that you know, now that you know this, now that you know that when temptation comes, oh, wait, I just need to find out where's the way out. I don't have to give in to this. I don't have to look at grace as going, going to be, okay, Lord, I'm going to utilize your grace after I give in to this. No, now you know that he's provided, he always has provided and is providing and will provide a way out. Do you realize that we make an idol out of temptation? Temptation can become an idol to us. And we sit and we entertain until we succumb. But God is saying that, no, I've provided a way. I will always provide a way out for you. Do you realize that we have that example when we see Jesus after being in the, the wilderness for 40 days and he's tempted of the devil? Those were real temptations. It wasn't like, oh, Jesus, he just offering some stuff to Jesus that Jesus didn't want. Or else it wouldn't have been temptation. So Jesus himself was tempted, but Jesus knew where the, where the escape hatch was. And what was his escape hatch? His escape hatch was that he, he put the word on it. He responded with the word. The enemy came with, with a, 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 what do you call it, a, a, a paraphrase mixed with a lie. But Jesus came back with the truth. So we are to follow suit as believers. These were written to us as an example. Again, we have the propensity to create idols for ourselves because we want this great void in us to be filled, not realizing that it only can be filled because it's shaped to the heart of God. Verse 14 says, therefore, my beloved, run, keep far, far away from any sort of idolatry. And that includes loving anything more than God or participating in anything that leads to sin and enslaves the soul. How do I know if something is an idol? I have to ask myself this question. What do I love, trust, or fear more than God? What do I love, trust, or fear more than God? As we come to a close, A father and his eight-year-old son had a conversation one morning during their breakfast devotion. And so they had a, a, a discussion. The devotion was about this very subject of, of idolatry, heart idolatry. And so he's, he's talking to his son. His son's been in Sunday school since, you know, he can remember. And he's, he asked him, he said, so son, he's like, so you know, uh, you know what an idol is? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that... that that you worship other than God. He's like, okay, that's a good answer. He said, okay, so, so like give me an example of, of what it was. And he says, well, it's kind of like, you know, with Daniel, and when Daniel and, and Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they built that, that idol to Nebuchadnezzar, and, and, and uh, you know, the people, when the, the, they blew the horns, they were supposed to bow, bow down and worship the idol. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's good. He says, what's another example? He said, um, same thing was like with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, you know, they were, refused to bow down and they got faced with the fiery furnace and he says okay cool he's like so 
uh, is somebody going to build an idol for you to, 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 to worship today? Because, you know, do idols even still exist now? That was a long time ago. Do they still exist? And he goes, yeah, they do. He's like, people make idols out of everything. They could be anything. He's like, it could be, you know, people make, make idols out of, you know, burritos, out of, out of, you know. And so he started seeing that this conversation was going a little left. He's like, okay, this kid is this crazy. He says, but he says, but how do you know, how do you know if something is an idol? I mean, how do you know if you love something more than God? So the eight-year-old kind of paused for a second. He was silent for a minute. He says, you know it's an idol if you think you could never be happy without it. It's interesting, out of the mouths of babes, like, like, Something so simplistic, you know, we, we would have tried to, to, to dig through scripture to try and figure out the Hebrew and the Greek on, on how we can truly really break down and define what an idol is and how we can recognize what an idol is. And he says, you know, if it, it's, it's, it's an idol if you think you could never be happy without it. And that's what I want us to, to evaluate in our lives today is, is what is it that we have in our lives that, that is so important to us that we are holding and clenching so tight to that we think that we could never be happy without it. It could be a thing, it could be a person. However it is, is, is it could be money, power, respect, careers, it could be family. Which of these things do I hold in such esteem that I don't believe I could ever be happy without it? And that's the challenge in the, in the evaluation that we're faced with today. What is it that we're holding on to that we, that we are giving more reverence and honor to God? That we're giving more honor to that than God. Because at the end of the day, the void that we're trying to fill, it craves those things. It craves, all, it craves the fulfillment of all those things. But true contentment, true satisfaction, true worth, True joy, true fulfillment. The great void in us craves all of those things, but these things are only found in Christ. All other things serve. All of those things that I named serve to magnify the greatness of God and push our thoughts and our souls toward uh, his, 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 his gloriousness and his, his, how worthy he is. Because all of those things come from him. They're not sins within themselves, but they're a sin when we place them above him. And at the end of the day, even if we're blessed to be able to experience and achieve and attain all of those things, that even if they were all taken away and there was nothing, if there was no one, there would still be Jesus. So the question this morning might be, okay, well, if, if, if I'm finding in my evaluation that I, that I am prizing something higher than my relationship with Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm putting something above and in place of God, how do I get from here to there? Repentance. Repentance is how you get from here to there. True repentance is not just to repent of my sin, but the, the sin that's beneath my sin. True repentance is not to repent of my sin, but the sin that lies beneath my sin. What are you talking about? I'm talking about heart idolatry. I'm talking about the fact that you always want to be seen. The real root of that is that you, you desire recognition. The fact that you got to be all in the mix and you got to be all in front of everything means that you really crave recognition, but you've already been recognized by God. The fact that you get so heated and resort to wrath because you feel disrespected is because you idolize respect, but you've already been respected by God. The fact that you overachieve and you constantly are going for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing is because you idolize success. 
you idolize success, but God promises that if you if you submit to him and acknowledge him in all your ways, then you will attain good success. I don't know about you, I don't want just success, I want good success. Then shall you prosper and have good success. It's the sin that's beneath our sin. We only look at, we judge each other and we look at people by the surface sin, not realizing what the root of that sin is. It's not enough to just repent for my anger. Oh Lord, I lost my, I lost my temper. Why did you lose your temper? Repent for that. Why am I see, why am I always dressing this way? It's because I, I crave attention. Lord, I repent from that. We have to repent for the sin that lies beneath our sin. Repentance, by definition, is a discovery of the evil of sin. It is a mourning that we have committed it, a resolution to forsake it. Did you get that? Repentance is a discovery of the evil of sin, a mourning that we have committed it, and a resolution to forsake it. It's not enough that we just acknowledge it, that we discover it. What G.I. Joe say? No one is half the battle. Well, the other half is that you do something about it. I need a resolution. So that means that, you know, that, that's the reason why some of us have had the misconception of what repentance is or that repentance is just only an occasional thing. Because some of us have felt like, man, well, well you know, I guess I, I don't, I, if I keep repenting for this thing, well, you obviously have a stronghold and a struggle, which means that your resolution needs to be, okay, now that you brought it to prayer, now you need to go and take part in the community of God and get some accountability for that thing. It's a resolution to forsake it. It is, in fact, a change of mind of a very deep and practical character which makes the man love what he once hated and hate what he once loved. And if you're in here today, you might say, man, you know, yeah, I do. I, I, I love this thing. It's all right. You're in good company because you're not alone. Because there are many of us who need to change our affections from these idols that we've carried with us, that we've, that we've bared in our souls for so long, that we thought that, you know, it's just going to be like this forever. I'm, I'm just going to be like this. This is just who I am. It's a part. No, that's the lie of the enemy that's telling you that that's who you are. Because according to scripture, God has called you his. He's called you free. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. He doesn't desire for you to be in bondage in any area of your life. That's why as we, live, as we live a life of repentance, that we are not only free, but we are being freed. Not only are we saved, but we are being saved. It's a thing called sanctification. And while you're being saved and you're doing, you're working out your salvation and not working for your salvation, it is his grace that is empowering you by the work of the spirit that is in you both the will and do his good pleasure only God can do that only the grace of God can do that through the vehicle of repentance is to make a man love what he once hated and hate what he once loved and this leads to conversion I don't know if you guys understand some of you guys that have traveled abroad, you know what it's like where you have to make exchanges in currency, right? The currency conversion, right? You exchange. There's a great exchange that takes place. And God wants to take whatever it is that's holding you and keeping you bound and give you liberation and give you freedom in that area. But you have to be willing to give it. He can't give you freedom and you keep that thing at the same time. That's not, that's not how it works. Repentance and conversion is a turning 
a turning around, a turning from, and a turning to, a turning from sin, a tur- and a turning to holiness, a turning from uh, carelessness to thought, from world to heaven, from self to Jesus. It is a complete turning, constant turning. Remember the extension cord is a constant turning, an unraveling, an untwisting, a straightening. Okay, I got to go back through this way. I got to come out this way. I got this a constant turning, a constant changing. Because leave it all leave it all up to chance. Like, I mean, I'm so glad that God provided a way even from the very beginning. The son was ready to go to the cross. And rather than just destroy everything and start all over, God decided that he was going to wait. He was going to give his only begotten son while we were yet sinners. He wouldn't wait for us to come around because we never would. We don't even have the power to, but by his grace. He condescended to us, became like man, dwelt amongst us, became flesh experiencing everything that we experience yet without sin went to the cross paid the ultimate price for you and I he didn't just die for us he died because of us and instead of us so what do we have to do to do the work that God requires we have to believe Like Jesus said, all we have to do is believe in the one whom God has sent. The same message that Paul preached to the people, he said, repent and believe. Repent and be converted. Repent and believe. Turn. Change your mind. Change your mind about the situation you're in. No, you don't have to live like that. No, you don't have to be stuck in that. Change your mind. And believe in the one who God has sent. True belief and true repentance are twins. They're inseparable. True belief and true repentance are twins, and that's what we're called to. As believers, we are to believe and live a lifestyle of repentance. Constantly turning from ourselves, constantly turning from the world, constantly turning from thoughtful from, from thoughtlessness to being intentional in the decisions that we make, that it would not sin against, that we would not sin against God, and that we would we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Listen, if the path to hell is paved with good intentions, a teacher talked about. And believe in the gospel. She talked about how it was like a country road with well-worn ditches on each side, right? And if the path, they say that the path to hell is paved with good intentions, I would like to offer this, that the path to righteousness is paved with memorial stones of repentance. That as I walk and I turn and I look back, I see what the Lord has done. Would he deliver? Every step that I take is a step of deliverance. I can look back and see my deliverance, but I can look ahead and see my deliverer who is calling me on and calling me forward. So I leave you with this. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hallelujah. Give God some praise this morning. As I was preparing for this message, um, you know, on this this particular subject, there's an old song that um, I was reminded of that I had been listening to. And the lyrics of the song talk about how this guy was just in worship one day and he was talking to the Lord and the Lord told him he said he sang over him he said you got your best man on your front side you always show your best side but evil is always on the other side you say this is your strategy but he says son I hope you take it from me you look just like your enemy 
you're full of pride. Because that's just like us. We want to always put our best foot forward while we hide our hand. And that's what idolatry is. And God will have none of that in his kingdom. God desires for us to be free. God desires for us to be delivered. Why? Because he's placed the goods in us. What good are goods if the goods can't be delivered? The only reason why we got only thing good about us is what God has done in us and what he's put in us. Apart from God, we are no good and there's nothing good about us. But despite the good that he's put in us, there are some things that we've held on to. There's some things that we've we've been wrestling with about letting go. And so this morning, I just want to offer you the opportunity to come to the altars this morning and spend time before the Lord and allow him to deliver you. Allow him to deliver you. There is deliverance at this altar this morning that you can lay down your idols and that they be destroyed by the power of God. That you can leave this place free and walk in a freedom that you've never experienced or encountered before. The freedom that can only come from him. God desires for you to be free. And there's people out there, believe it or not, that needs your deliverance. Why? Because their destiny is tied to you. So come to the altar. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your heavy load. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you in this place, Father, for showing up. Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts. Lord, show us the the, the altars that we've made in our hearts for these idols. Help us to tear them down and utterly destroy them, Lord. Lord, we desire to be intimate with you. We desire to be in your army. We desire to be in your family. We desire to be connected with you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would dissolve and destroy every allegiance that has been made with idols, Father. Today, Lord, we pledge our allegiance to you. We come into agreement with you, Father. We ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness by the blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you that the blood still has power to this day. We thank you that the blood will never lose its power. Lord, we ask that you bathe us in the blood of Jesus, that we would be washed and cleansed Father, we ask that you would deliver us and set us free in this place. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We thank you for sealing us with your Holy Spirit. Father, that we would be baptized into your family, that we would be baptized into new life. Father, that we would walk the road of righteousness on the memorial stones of deliverance, Lord. That we can look back at each step and each stone and see what it is that you've delivered us from, give you praise, and look look forward towards you who is our deliverer. Lord, we thank you that we live a lifestyle of repentance, that we are constantly turning, Lord, that every time you show us a tangle or a twist, that we would be quick to turn in obedience away from ourselves and unto you. 
away from the world and unto heaven, Lord. Father, we thank you for stretching us straight into righteousness. We thank you that you didn't leave the work up to us. But we thank you that you have given us the privilege of depending on, leaning on, trusting in, hoping in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you for calling us upward toward righteousness. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you that you are faithful to deliver us out of every temptation that comes our way, Lord, that you didn't leave us to be victimized or be bullied by temptation, but that we know that we can call on you for a way of escape every time. Help us to tap into the empowering virtue of grace that we can live as overcomers. We thank you that you call us to be more than conquerors, Lord. Father, we thank you and we declare out of our mouths and in our hearts and from the rooftops that you are the true and living God, that no one else will receive our glory but you. There's none above you and none beside you, Lord. We declare that you are God and God alone. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we believe this and we declare this in the mighty, magnificent, and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.